0: Hello everyone, my name is Catherine Potter and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast You, the Universe, the Holistic Mind. If this is your first time tuning in, during each podcast we explore topics that support a holistic approach to life. Whether the conversation is about health, home, relationships, business, spirituality or mysticism, the information includes an inclusive, integrative approach. Today we're going to look at how and why we need to foster a culture of courage in the workplace. My guest is Kim Armstrong. Kim is the Deputy City Manager of the Employee Services Department at the City of Edmonton. In July 2020, Kim was honored um, by the Canadian City Centre for Diversity and Inclusion and they recognized the significant contribution she made to diversity and inclusion by honoring her as the 2020 Senior Executive of the Year. This award was given in recognition of her outstanding contribution to diversity and inclusion and her commitment to using both these tenets to drive change within the City of Edmonton. So I, Kim, feel very honoured to have you as a guest on the show today. So welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here with you, Catherine.
0: Yes. So today we're going to chat about Courage in the Workplace. But one of the things that I've learned is when a person specializes in something, they've had a journey with that topic and so i'd love to hear about a little bit about your background and i'm sure our listening audience would love to hear what brought you to that place of of um, exploring courage right and why did that become an emphasis for you in your in your field so give us a little bit of background.
1: So, you know, I'm going to start with describing a little bit about my personal um, journey in my own life, and then I'm going to talk about my workplace journey, and they will thread together. Okay. So, in terms of my own background, my father, who died in 2014, was a foster child. So his mother, who was a 16-year-old person who had a baby, gave him up for what I imagine she thought might be an adoption, but it ended up a succession of over 22 foster homes uh, mm-hmm. over the course of his childhood. And the fact that he was able to overcome extremely adverse circumstances, including, not surprisingly, uh, abuse and and a kidnapping uh, along the way, really made me think and reflect on what his life was like in comparison to me being raised in a family with two parents who were married until one died, and uh, and two siblings. My mother uh, was the daughter of an immigrant to Canada, and her mother had uh, three marriages. The first, her husband committed suicide. The second, her husband tried to kill her in, uh, in a, an attempted murder situation, and the third ended up being my grandfather, uh, and they ended up being together until, uh, until they died. So when I reflect on the lives of both of my parents, I'm aware that they had tumultuous journeys and that they had considerable adversity that they overcame. It was not until I was quite a bit older that I started to understand um, what they experienced. It wasn't something that we talked about when I was growing up as a child, but as I started to have my own children, it really does give you cause and pause to reflect on what your own parents went through and reimagine what their what their lives were like as parents to you growing up. I'd like to oh go yeah, ahead, Kat. Kim.
0: I'm going to pause you for something because. What you said is so amazing, first off, and thank you for being so open in sharing, that what comes to mind that I think is an important point for our listeners is that those, how much we build off previous generations and and the experiences your parents went through has an opportunity to grow in a different way within you, right? And so I'm hearing all these things, and it's kind of like, okay, so their courage came through such adverse situations. And then you can take it and allow it to grow by not being in such a hard situation that it can evolve and, and, and become something of a gift uh, that you inherited through them that grows within you. You know what? I, I need to. I just need to make that point. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it was kind of like, oh my God, you're saying things that are so deeply moving and profound, and 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 sometimes our stories um, get to be stories, but but we don't necessarily hold that delicious uh, knowing and emotional place with them. So thank you, and please continue.
1: That was amazing. Catherine you you are absolutely right and and I feel like it's it's taken me until I became an older woman to really be able to start to integrate some of mm-hmm. of my ancestors' experiences and my parents' experiences so that they were not defining me but they were I accepted them as a part of who I am and so I pretty much ignored this for a lot of my life and realized uh, as I aged that I really needed to spend some time reflecting on it and on how it shaped me, whether it was deliberate shaping or whether it was more subconscious shaping. Mm -hmm. Uh, From a work perspective, I really have a deep uh, sense of justice, um, which can become easily uh, a sense of judgment, which is a problem and a challenge I have to really work through. However, I noticed circumstances in the workplace where there was uh, a toxic person, um, inappropriate behavior, even something as simple as a disrespectful comment made to someone. And these, these types of circumstances were just left unaddressed. Tons. And yet you
0: were sensitive to them. You were noticing them, right? Yes. Because of your wiring and yes.
1: yeah. Yeah. And on some level, Catherine, I think whether we're conscious of it or not, where there is a disruption like that, like a rude comment is made where somebody steps over top of somebody else's voice. I think we all sense it, even if we're not consciously going, oh, that was, that was rude. On some level, we are uh, experiencing that, that disruption in, um, in positive relations, if I can put it that way. Totally.
0: It's a brilliant way to put it and it's 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 a harm right not all harm is a physical slapping right so that's what I'm hearing you say am I hearing that in the right way
1: absolutely it it impacts in a negative way I sometimes use the word toxicity it impacts in a negative way the health if I can put it that way or the opportunity for a group to grow and learn so it shuts us down we look at the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems and when we have an experience that's that's negative like that, it puts us into that fear modality where we are either wanting to run away or hide or freeze or fight. And those, those uh, impulses or urges don't foster uh, an environment of growth and learning and um, positive enrichment. And so even the smallest slight, if not acknowledged and addressed, can have a long-term impact and can have an impact greater than what you might think at first glance and it's it became a thing that i would see time and time again in the workplace and in the most extreme cases it was people who were really substantially disrespecting people around them and there's many different ways this can show up it can show up by verbal comments it can show up by bodily bodily you know expressions, in other words crossing your arms or rolling your eyes. Mm. You know and sometimes it shows up in, in more overt ways like overt discrimination, overt harassment so it can be a more of an implicit type of an experience or it can be more direct. And as I spent more and more years in the workplace, I became increasingly frustrated and angry about uh, this type of behavior not being addressed. And so for me, that's where my personal leadership values, which are humility, authenticity, and courage, where I started to think about and develop those values. And courage just seemed to me to be paramount. And I started to look at leaders around me and watch them passing a fault, watched them not addressing an employee who is behaving in this way because perhaps they perceived it was easier to ignore it, Or they weren't aware it was happening. Um, And it, it just became something that I started to think about and reflect on, write about, and talk about. And those were sort of the roots of where I came to view courage as an essential component of personal leadership as well as culture in a workplace.
0: Brilliant. So one of the things that comes to mind now when I read your bio... Um, you worked with the police department for a while, correct? Um, and I and I could be wrong. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm ignorant of how the inner workings of you know that department would be. But somehow I would think that that is not the easiest place to talk about that type of courage, because I think when we're looking at you know, law enforcement. We're talking about an external type of courage, as opposed to, and and a, a more um, obvious type of courage, as opposed to courage from the inside out. The courage to be seen. The courage to speak. The courage to allow somebody to be who they are. Like I'm just throwing a lot of things in there. So I would think that that was not always the easiest place to begin to. Um, speak out and am I wrong right I mean
1: I know it probably helped you yeah so it's interesting so I will say this that po- that period of time in my life and I left the police service in nine, sorry in uh, 2006 so during that period of time and I and I'll talk a little bit about what that was like for me I hadn't yet started my journey of inner courage and and really focusing on it for example i hadn't started my meditation practice i hadn't started my gratitude practice um so i was in a different uh place in my life then and my i had not yet started this fairly significant um, self-awareness around my personal values and how i wanted to lead Um, I was still in a place, for example, where humility was not something I was cognizant of and the the importance of humility. I was in a place where I thought the person who looked like they knew the most about whatever the topic was, you know, was the person that people would listen to. So I still had some pretty old ideas in my head at that time around, um, you know, what success looked like and how we should show up as leaders, you know.
0: Okay, I like it. Right. So then there had to be at some point um, a catalyst and you don't need to talk about that catalyst but what was there, there was some point where your outer and your inner world didn't match any longer and you needed it to go within am I correct
1: absolutely yeah oh,
0: okay yeah.
1: yeah and you know I do not believe it was one single event no. I can't I didn't have one single event however I do recall and I'll talk about one one conversation I had um, I was with a woman who worked for me, and we happened to be on a trip, and we were in um, in Ottawa at the Blue Iguana uh, restaurant, and she was someone who, in the you know proverbial hierarchy, was several levels below me, uh, and we were out for supper, and of course there was a bottle of wine, which is possibly why we had this conversation, and she she said to me in the most in kind and endearing way that when I chair a meeting, I am like a train going down a track. And uh, she said this very kindly. The point was, you want to get to the end result, you have an objective in mind, you want to get there as quickly as you can, and it's go, go, go. And gently, she said to me, people don't feel heard. And even though you may have already considered what they were thinking and rejected it or decided it didn't make sense... People don't feel heard. Mm. And it stopped me yeah, in my tracks. And I looked at her and I felt two emotions, total shame and a total awareness that she was right. And that was a conversation that I will never forget. And I remember feeling such love for her for being willing to tell me this about myself. Mm -hmm. And in some ways you think, well, Kim, really? Like you didn't know that about yourself. It was pretty obvious. And the truth is, I didn't. I thought I was a get stuff done kind of woman. I was super focused on results and I delivered. And I was so proud of that. And it's how I felt like I had achieved my success. And all of a sudden I went, wow, I I don't want people to think that I'm not listening to them. Like, I don't want people to think I'm that kind of a person. And so the first stage in this evolution for me was consciously changing that behavior because I didn't want people to think ill of me. The more important stage where I really got to a beautiful place was when I realized people had important things to say. Mm -hmm. And that every person on earth has a different life from mine. Mm -hmm. And every single human can teach me something. And when I really understood that, this concept that what you don't know is far more important than what you know, when that sort of sunk into me, that was a fundamental shift in how I saw the world. Because I no longer um, took the time in meetings to ensure that people had the opportunity to speak because I thought it was the right thing to do. When I started to do that, because I realized their contributions mattered and that we were greater than the sum of our parts, if we could leverage the beautiful thinking of each individual in the room, that's when I got it. And it took several years for me to get to that point. Okay. So so
0: profound. So very moving what you're saying. So honest, so thank you. <laughs> um, and, you know, often, so I want to address one thing for our listeners. It's very common, I think, for most of us that first we change a behavior because we don't want people to think something about us. And that is okay, right? It's, it can be the catalyst. Then I think we come to the place, which is what I'm hearing you say, is that we change because we don't want to be that way. We want to expand and enrich ourselves and and hold a place for ourselves and other people in the world, right? And so I say this, you know, through these podcasts, if there is something somebody is saying, um, you know, we don't want to go into guilt or shame or any of that to go, oh, I've done that. It's kind of like, oh, good. If you recognize it, brilliant. Right, that's the first step, and that's what I'm hearing you say. And then how it evolved, and to your point about time, it takes time to to have an idea or an ideal, right? And then to integrate it, and and to the point where it becomes integrated within you. So I I love hearing about how it started, and um, where it evolved to. That is so honest and beautiful and bravo to the woman who in a um, in a heart-centered way was able to deliver a hard piece of information but you could hear it because you weren't being slapped which is the whole thing about the art of communication right and nonviolent communication.
1: Absolutely Catherine and I really have become a huge advocate for some people call it radical candor Some people call it compassionate honesty. The concept being, we in service of each other need to be willing to both ask for and receive brave and open-hearted feedback. Now, if the feedback is coming from a place of bias or anxiety or stress, it's probably not feedback that I would necessarily want to take into my heart, right? But where the feedback is coming from a place of trying to support my growth and my learning it's always amazing because you don't know how you're impacting people the only way you will know is if you ask and if people trust you and if you're willing to receive their 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 experiences of you in an undefended open-hearted way it can shift things and so i believe we need to make it a practice to ask those around us, even your 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 friends, your family, your children, and at work, the people who report to you, the people who you work for, your colleagues, you know, what could I do to serve you better? Mm-hmm. What could I stop doing that I'm doing now? Or what could I start doing that that I'm not doing? And when people trust you, and believe me, I've had many, many experiences now with this because I make it a part of my regular connection with people, they will tell you. And it might be as simple as your email style for people who don't know you well, can be very direct. And, you know, if you don't know someone well, you might want to put like, hi, you know, (laughs) good morning, or, and it it could be as, as sort of as deep as um, when you're interacting with that person, you always seem like, you know, you're in a, fight mode and it's coming across to people in the room and you need to reflect on what's going on with you and that person because it's a bad energy or it's not a positive energy for for others it can be you know it can be really really micro things or it can be bigger things but we grow through that we grow through that yeah
0: so it's interesting so we've moved into part of our conversation which is is how you practice self-courage you're talking about this as right so Here's what comes to mind. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, but how do you end up... So, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it in this way and then tell me if I'm saying it in a way that's clear. There is such a fine line between hearing uh, another person's perception of how they are receiving you, mm-hmm. right? But it's also very important to stay within your own space, right? So how do you end up filtering? How do you filter through everybody else's perception, which can hold biases and somebody wanting it to be done just in their way or whatever, right? So how do you hold clarity with who Kim is and also receiving um, all that feedback from other people about how to accommodate them?
1: Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful question. I'm going to go a bit circuitous, so tell me if I... No,
0: no, no, it's brilliant, because I'm thinking that there are people, listeners, who are highly um, empathetic and, you know, sensitive to other people, but lose their sense of self in getting that type of feedback, right? And so I I think it's a question someone would ask, so I'm going to ask it.
1: Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So I have... I'm going to start with the with a very specific thing. Yeah. I have developed a personal practice that has been, um, again, a life altering practice. Which is, um, I'm going to walk you through it. When I am activated or triggered, which means that I'm for me, I go to anger, frustration. I sometimes actually feel the red going up. Um, you know, the 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 heat rising through me. Um, my heart starts to beat faster, so I have physiological reactions. And I mean, I can just feel it in myself now telling you this because yeah, it, it really it triggers. <laughs> it gets me going. Right. OK, so um, whether it's feedback or uh, an email that just really upsets me or bothers me, any anything that gets me in that state, um, I have learned. Um, and Viktor Frankl speaks about this, that between stimulus and response, there is a sweet spot. And for me, that spot is stillness. So I I am learning that I catch myself when I am activated and I breathe deeply. Nice. And sometimes I need to breathe 10 times and sometimes I need to breathe 100 times before I can restore some equilibrium in my brain chemistry and my body so that I am responding, not reacting, as the best version of Kim Armstrong. So I, I have a process and I'm not, I'm by far from perfect. However, after years of practice, I am much better at this mm-hmm. where I, I have my breath and then I pause and I say, what would the best Kim Armstrong do in this circumstance? Recognizing I will always be me. So I am a perfectly imperfect version of myself. Mm -hmm. So I am a judgmental person. I said this earlier, I will never not be a judgmental person. However, I can balance myself, I can catch myself and say, Kim, that's that voice of judgment in your mind, you need to move into witnessing instead of judging in this instance. So I feel like that pause, that stillness allows the wisdom within us. We can access that wisdom to guide our action or inaction, because sometimes the answer is to do nothing Mm -hmm. or say nothing, or alternatively to uh, speak or to, um, you know, to respond in a certain way. Uh, So I do not, I do not believe we can ever not be who we are. We can aspire to being the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be.
0: So, Kim, I have to laugh because uh, sometimes, you know, I wear a few hats and sometimes when I'm wearing one of my hats and, and somebody is asking something of me and it's coming through our admin person and I say to her, ooh, I can feel myself charged and I'll say to her, oh, okay. I'm not going to respond right now because I'm going to wait till the better Catherine appears. Because right now, you're just going to get a not I response. I love it. And it's become a joke, right? But again, it requires that honesty to say, I could do this, but even I know, mm, that's just not the best part of me. And so when you talk about breathing, right, it's the same thing. It's like taking that breath, knowing that you know maybe this needs a little nudge instead of a hammer but I want a hammer right now so maybe tomorrow I won't want a hammer so I I love that so you obviously have a practice in place and we're going to come back to this but you obviously have some practices in place in your daily life that have taught you take the breath because I think if there's one thing we need to learn in life it's kind of like take a breath and inhale and exhale and it might be 10 times or 500 times but then what happens? So I really liked how you expressed that. That was brilliant.
1: Thank you, Catherine. And I wanna just layer on one other piece because it goes back to to your original question, which was a fantastic question about this. For women, and not not only women, mm-hmm. other folks as well, there can be what I call a set of limiting beliefs. And so those those are the voices in our head. I have them that say, you should do this, Kim, you shouldn't do this. Um, you shouldn't apply for that job because you've only been in this job for eight months and you need to stay here longer. To which my other voice says, oh, is eight months a magic number? Or you shouldn't negotiate too hard for your starting salary because you're lucky to have a job. To which my inner voice says, oh, really, Kim? Like you are supporting as a single mom two kids at this point in your life. Do you really think that it's not worth it for you to try your hardest to get the best salary that you can? And so these inner voices... And sometimes they're external voices that we internalize, right? The shoulds and should nots. And so I encourage people to ask themselves, again, take deep breaths. What is right for me now? Not what the world is telling me or what all the shoulds and should nots are saying. What is right for me now? And when you can center yourself and ask yourself that question, I feel like our opportunity to take advantage of what is opened up for us is enhanced. And I feel like when we're operating in this system of all the shoulds and coulds in the world, that we can be shut down and that we can um, self-select out of growth and learning opportunities because we're listening to that voice in our head that. Uh, is an internalized imposter syndrome type of a voice.
0: So one of the things I want to point out, um, I love audio, but um, sometimes people give such beautiful visual cues. As Kim was talking about listening to herself, her hand, of course, is pointing to her chest. She's, you know, bringing her attention back into her own center and her own place of being. And I think, you know, that's interesting. It makes me smile because... It's kind of like I hear you saying that with all these, this external information and then the internal information we've inherited or as part of our culture, it requires, again, another type of stillness. But I'm seeing you uh, um, point to we need to go within, mm-hmm. right, and find out what our truth is. And, and, and then I'm hearing that that has made you an exquisite listener, Right to other people's information because you know how to check in and make sure they're not triggering uh, um, a previous version of you or an old value that does not work any longer. And tell me if I heard that correctly.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because you're going to
0: say it in a a different way from me, but that's what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. Super inspiring. So you're telling our listeners that there's some inner journeying that allows for this beautiful courage. And and how you've been courage courageous and, and 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 encourage that in in other people.
1: Absolutely, and you know what you just made me think of when you were talking, Catherine. Too is I find if listening is it's not just an art. There's something magical in in deep listening, and if I'm in a good place, if I'm centered and grounded, and my heart is open, and you're coming to me with a challenge or a problem or a situation you're seeking my thinking or guidance or advice or whatever, the more centered and balanced I am, the more I am able to really receive what you're saying. And instead of putting my own, you know, proverbial crap on top of it to really try to provide you with some, some insight or some light, I, th- I think of this, to shine a light onto something around you to give you the opportunity to see it differently. So it's not really about me saying you should do this or you should do that. It's about me saying, okay, have you thought about this? Or as I'm listening to you, I feel like there's one thing that's stuck in what you're saying and it's your voice is going up or there's some something going on in that particular part of your story. So I might say to you, Hey, tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not in a good place, Catherine, I am not able to be a great listener. I'm I'm very aware of that. If I've got my own stress, I'm only half listening to you, which is going to really limit my ability to be useful or helpful in that context. So
0: you're basically saying it starts with, um, our ability to take care of ourselves, to be, uh, to go within and hear ourselves, to be present to ourselves, mm-hmm. and and again, I'm paraphrasing, and then from that place, we hold a better. Uh, space for somebody else
1: absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah and it's taken me again a long time I know I've relatively said that a few speaking, times speaking
0: but... by the way relatively speaking right yeah <laughs> the yeah. way you're talking people would probably think you're a hundred no and you're just no. this
1: yeah I, d- I just passed the half century mark <laughs> you're so, this wonderful
0: yeah. youthful yeah right yes right? yeah so but again we build on previous generations and we pass on this to future generations, even if they're not of our own blood, right? Yeah, and absolutely. so it's we're pooling these resources and mm. so yay for you. All right. Wow. This could be ten podcasts. That's fun. Like, I'm this enjoying. could be ten podcasts. Yeah. Whenever I speak to people and some people in particular, I think, Oh, you have got so much to say. <laughs> Maybe well, you're gonna
1: hear it. having known you for many, many years, I feel exactly the same about you. I've always um. found Every conversation we've ever had has enriched my life, and sometimes in ways that are immeasurable. So I do appreciate you and your your presence on this earth.
0: Oh, so kind. Okay, now we have to stop or We're both going to be so moved we won't be able to continue. So, and we're kind of blending what I'm hearing you say. We're, we're talking about your journey of self-discovery. Your, the courage it takes to see yourself. Because what I'm hearing you talk about, and I laugh when you say, and I can be a judger, that to me is saying, okay, I've looked at my gifts, I've looked at my challenges, I've looked at my shadow and recognized there's power in the shadow, but only if we can bring it into the light and and not be ashamed of it, mm-hmm. right? And, and so
1: you've done shadow work. Absolutely. I, and in some ways, it's more how do I put this liberating
0: mm-hmm.
1: to it's easy for me to say, Oh, these are all the things I'm really good at. You know, that's easy. I mean, that stuff's easy. The hard stuff is getting into, you know, where am I out of balance? Uh, where do I have um, parts of myself that are um, in need of illumination in need of uh, some deliberate focused attention. And in our workplace, we use the uh, phrase learning edge, and you're learning it and we're very open about the fact and this is the culture we're trying to foster at the City of Edmonton. We're open about the fact that everybody's got at least one learning edge, and probably several at any point in time.
0: So tell us what you mean by learning edge.
1: Okay, so for example, let's say you are really having a hard time finding your voice. Okay. And so you uh, you have identified that you are in meetings and you are not um, feeling the comfort or the courage or whatever the word you want to use is to speak up. And so you might say to me, Kim, my learning edge right now, what I am working on is to find my voice. Uh, and so I can support you in that. I, and there's lots of ways I can do this. We could be in a meeting and I could uh, sort of go around the room and say, Catherine, uh, you know, Catherine, Jane, John, what would you contribute to this, right? Um, if you do speak, I can absolutely amplify your voice. Hey, Catherine, that was a great point. Tell me more about that, right? And on the other hand, if I see you in a couple of meetings saying nothing, after you've identified to me this is something you're working on, I can sit down with you and say, hey, I've noticed that you haven't uh, found your voice the last couple of meetings. What can I do to help you and support you with that? And so by each of us saying, here's what I'm working on. Here's my learning edge. A couple of things happen. Firstly, we each acknowledge that we are a work in progress. And we will be our whole life. Our whole life. Right? Yes. So, the, And there's no shame in that. And there's no embarrassment in that. And we are all acknowledging that we have things that we're working on. And in fact, it's part of that growth mindset. We are all trying to learn and grow. And can you imagine, you're in a group of 10 people. We all know each other's learning edge. And we're all willing to give compassionately honest feedback and support each other, both congratulating us when we're succeeding, in that balance, in achieving that balance, and asking, uh, asking, and inquiring uh, when we're not, and checking in, and so for me, um, that kind of a culture where we have an absolute awareness that we are all um, developing, and we are all shifting, and changing, and transforming, is the most healthy, most positive, and productive culture you can imagine in a workplace.
0: I think it is brilliant. I think it is so supportive. I, you know, and I wish I could wave a magic wand, and that in every corporation, you know, it, every organization, in every family, right? That that that's the place we hold. But then, like, that's the idealistic part of me. I get we're getting there. We're getting there, and it doesn't. Not everybody has to be that way, but enough people that it begins to change.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, I feel like language matters. And how we talk about this in different groups of people, you've got to find you've got to find the language, you've got to find um, the mm-hmm. descriptive words, the stories mm-hmm. that resonate with a different group of people. So I can imagine walking into a certain uh, environment. And you know starting a conversation about learning edge and people look at me like, what the heck are you talking about? So you're gonna change your language. You absolutely total. have to mm-hmm. you have to you have to really mm-hmm. get connected to whatever is happening um, in a certain space and where those people are coming from, what they're thinking is about, what their concerns are, what their fears are and if you can try to uh, not necessarily bring your very same, uh, routine if I can c- call it that right yeah. to every uh, to every environment, I think our ability to this is the magic and this is the hard part. Our ability to find different stories and different narratives, different frames and different language to support people's collective growth is essential and it's very tricky because I only know what I know mm-hmm. So I am not going to figure out on my own how that particular group of people, will best receive messages around feedback and collective learning and growth. The only way I'm going to figure out how to bring that story to those people is by asking.
0: Totally. Until you begin to speak in a way that they can hear you as opposed to, yes. Yes. yes.
1: And and just, you know, finding somebody that in that group that is willing to have a coffee with you mm-hmm. and say, hey, listen, um, I'm going to tell you my story. And I want you to tell me how you would receive that story and them to look at you and just shake their head and say, no, that's not going to work, right? But here's what might, you know, here's the kind of things we think about, or here are the concerns that we have. And just that that process of inquir- inquiring, inquiring, inquiring with a, with an open heart, a brave and open heart, which again, comes back to courage, because that's what courage is about. That's how we are able to support the growth of other people. Right? So again, what I'm hearing you say um, comes
0: from a, a really well developed and um, and an, and the ability to sit within yourself and to feel so uh, comfortable enough in your own skin that you do not feel threatened by somebody else's approach, right? And and so I think the point I'm making is it's so important to do that inner discovery because how you go out in any way, anywhere in your life, in your personal life, in your professional life, it will impact it. Because if you were arm wrestling with that person, you know, the example you used about if, if, um, you know, hearing, did, you know, am I going to say this in the right way? If you were arm wrestling with them for the right way, as opposed to this is my approach, tell me your story, so I can take this valuable information and say it in a way that you can receive, that is genius. That is genius because you're not in a defensive defensive posture. You're basically saying, I've got some good information I think can help, but I want to make
1: sure it's heard. Absolutely, I love the
0: humility of that, by the way,
1: and you know one thank you, Catherine, and one other thing I just want to expand a little bit on this that that I've learned from you, but I, it's really important that I articulate this because I've been thinking and writing about it a lot lately is when you're encountering someone that you were in judgment of, so for me, it would be anger, frustration, those are my go-to emotions. um I am pausing now, and I in that stillness that I spoke of earlier here's here's what I'm considering. If I were born in your family and with your talents and skills, and if I had lived the life you have lived with all of the experiences you have had, I would be doing just what you're doing right now. And so there's, it removes the judgment from me because it is a recognition on a deep level that you are living the life you were supposed to live. And so where that takes me is to a place of compassion, Mm-hmm. Right. And and if you're angry with me, or if we're in a tense situation, instead of me being angry right back at you, instead of me meeting your meeting your frustration or anger with my own, when I can feel compassion, I can look at you and I can say, I see you suffering. I see you being in a in a bad place. I feel badly about that. It's not that I'm feeling pity for you, but I I feel badly that you're suffering. I wish you well. And when I, when I say that to myself, you are who you are. I would be who you are if I were in, you know, in your life. I feel compassion for you and I wish you well. It very dramatically shifts my inner landscape so that When I'm responding to you, it is from a totally different place. I'm not lacing up my boxing gloves. Rather, I'm thinking, okay, what is a fair, um, reasonable approach that Kim would take in response to what you are giving to me? Uh, One short mantra I've been using around this is, what you do to me is your karma. Mm. How I respond is mine. And so the words I've been using in my head are create beautiful karma. And every morning when I wake up now, I'm saying to myself, create beautiful karma, which for me means whatever is thrown at you in the world, Kim, you need to take some deep breaths and bring the best of yourself to the table and try to create the best karma you can for yourself. And it helps, it helps me. It really has shifted something in me in terms of, um, how I am responding to challenging situations that I'm experiencing.
0: So you are saying so much that is so rich that I want to pause a couple of things. Number one, and go over with them for our listeners, what, what I think is hugely important is is you're talking about the difference between compassion and pity. And people know, I don't care what your words are, if you pity them, it's got a different feel than compassion. So it's not like you saying something nice, but underneath it's like, oh, poor you, right? That's pity. And nobody wants to be pitied. So whether you take that... And bring it into the person in in you know your group who can't speak out. It's not you going, oh, this poor person is afraid to speak out. It's compassion to say, okay, so we all have places we struggle or don't struggle with. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. How you know how, how you know how can how can I serve you? You mm-hmm. go back to that. So huge difference between pity and compassion, which a lot of people don't understand, right? So that's really important. And the other thing that comes to mind. Um, is how you talk about, first off, obviously, you're practicing centering through breath, and that you have this intention in the morning, right, around creating good karma. But what I love that you're doing, right, um, and have admiration for, is you're not... You're, you're integrated. You're saying, I am Kim and I've got all this intention to grow and I've got all this intention to create the most nourishing environment possible and I, I love feeling compassionate. But I love that you're able to say, but you know what? Some days it's going to be, I'm going to feel frustrated or judgmental or angry. And that's the bottom line. And that is such an integrative approach, right? But you've got these strategies in place, Right or can laugh about about you know sometimes I'm this way too, and that makes you very approachable.
1: It's so funny when you when you were talking, you made me think of something. Sometimes when I'm, what I used to do is try to tamp down my anger, and I'd be like, you know, just trying to push it down. Right now, I'll take a couple of seconds and I'll go right into it. Like, of course, it's in my own head. But I'll be like, oh, I'm so mad. And I and I just go right into it. And you know what? It is literally like you've lit a piece of paper on fire yeah. and it burns. But within a couple of seconds or, you know, 10 seconds, it's ashes in your hand. And I have literally found that when I go right into that emotion and I just breathe into it and I feel myself be, you know, heated up. I can't sustain it. Yeah. And so it just like it just washes through me. And then I'm not holding it because otherwise I can walk around all day, pushing it down, pushing it down. And I come home and I'm so full of anger. I've just literally got it, uh, you know, from under my chin all the way down to the ground. And, you know, and so by, by like expressing it, it just taking a minute and just being like, you know, I am so frustrated. And I just kind of get into that zone. And then it's like, oh, okay, (sighs) moving on. You know,
0: because you acknowledged yeah. it and it, and you breathed it back out again. Yeah. It, and then it can become just a juicy, creative energy. So,
1: you know, you're talking about transforming an emotion in the moment. I love that. Yeah. Very it's, cool. It's been really, it's been good for my mental health because what I was finding is I'd come home from work and my husband, who I consider a soulmate and uh, a wonderful human, and I'd be bringing home all that anger and he'd be like, "How was your day?" And I'm like, ah, you know, I
0: have to tear somebody's face oh, totally. off, totally, or just like you know, <laughs> express it all out."
1: And he's looking at me like, oh, "Okay." And so <laughs> it's not to say you don't want to you know express your your true feelings with people that you yeah. love. It's just that it wasn't helpful. It wasn't in service of him or myself. Um, and yes, I want to be able to talk through problems and challenges, but I want to do it from a place of you know, calm and yes. equanimity where I feel like I'm going to have a good conversation, right? Not from a place of activation where it's just all um, frazzled and it feels electrified and that's not um, well, helpful you disconnect for Well, you're disconnected then, yeah, right? You're not able to stay centered and grounded. So exactly. we, uh,
0: so love it. Yeah. So we could talk forever. So let's come back to um, you uh, about being courageous for yourself first, right? And so you're talking about moving past the shoulds. You mentioned that. I really enjoyed that. To seek continuous growth, mm-hmm. right? That, and then you had um, a couple of other things that you had alluded to, but about that self-awareness, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, one of the things I've been reading about lately, actually, is stoicism. Mm -hmm. And there's two key pieces of it that have been very, um, they've resonated deeply with me. And one is that ability to distinguish between what I control and what I don't. And if I, if I go on the premise that I have a certain number of units of energy every day, let's just say I have 10 units of energy as a human. If I spend my energy on things that are out of my control or influence, um, then I am not using my capacity on things I can actually influence. And in some ways, it's wasted energy. That's how I see it for myself. And so I ask myself multiple times a day, can I control or influence this? So last night happened to be the presidential debate in the United States. It's an example. Mm -hmm. I deliberately chose not to watch it because... I knew I would be activated, and that I actually—I'm not a U.S. citizen. I don't vote in their election, and there's nothing I can do about that situation. It, it may—it may cause me great anxiety or frustration, but I can't change or control it. And so, any of my emotion that goes into, you know, goes into that situation is emotion I could be, or energy—I'm going to use that language. I could be more productively using. Uh, To deal with my own situation, challenges and problems I'm faced with at work, challenges with my children or, you know, in my relationships. And so I've really tried to focus my attention and my um, energy on what I can control. And in the in the midst of the pandemic, this has been even more profound for me right? Because there's lots that's out of my control. In Mm -hmm. fact, I feel that quite profoundly. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots happening around the world that can be, is very distressing for me. And I can go into a really dark place if I allow myself to, Mm -hmm. by fixating on that. And so I'm not saying that I'm like falsely, you know, oh, happy face, grin, grin, grin. I'm not saying that. I am saying I am deliberately choosing to expend what energy I have on things I can control. And the second aspect of it that I'm, I'm quite taken with is this notion of love what happens or love fate. I think the uh, phrase in Latin is amor fati. And what it means for me is whatever comes at me, whatever is happening to me, I have a choice. And that choice is how I'm going to frame it. It's how I'm going to think about it. And I can either view it as an opportunity to learn and grow and shift or I can be run over by it. And I don't have choice about many things, but I can choose how I'm going to view the obstacles and challenges that come my way. So a good example, I'm rear-ended, right? I'm, I, someone has rear-ended me in a car. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there. So I can get out of the car and I can like, you know, let my anger flow. I can, you know, be upset and agitated and, you know, all over the place. Like Or I can take several deep breaths because guess what? The accident happened.
0: It did happen.
1: <laughs> I'm not changing that. Mm-hmm. And so then that's where I talk about creating beautiful karma. Like, so, okay, so I'm going to take several deep breaths. I'm not happy about this, but they didn't do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. They weren't driving around going, I'm going to look for someone on rear end. Mm-hmm. So get out of the car. Right? So
0: that is that, that is so important. What you just said, Right. In some ways, it happened to you, but it wasn't necessarily about you. Somebody didn't wake up that morning and think, "I need to find Kim Armstrong and slam into the back of her car." Totally right. And so often, we will project that understanding on everything, and really, it's not about us.
1: Yes, so true. You but it so sometimes
0: true. happens to it's us. It's so true. Yeah, you know, you get cut, cut off in it?
1: traffic. Totally, and you know, and you got a whole narrative in your mind, but you don't know. Maybe that person's you know, pregnant spouse is sitting next to her in the car and she's got to get them to the hospital. Like you just don't know what is happening. And so I feel like that generosity, I think is the word or the grace we can offer other people in those circumstances and be mindful of our own self and how, and how we are showing up is really important.
0: Totally agree. So here's what I want to say at this point, and then we'll talk more about the workplace. So some of our listeners will be right on the same page some of our listeners will have spent time taking you know having um tools in their life that allow to them to go within and quiet and hold their own space better some people might be more um desiring that but they're not yet they don't yet have the practice in place or they don't have enough experience with it so what what would you suggest um When you do communicate in a way that is harsher than what you would like, or you're not listening, or you're not in that lovely, compassionate place of being able to hear where somebody else is coming from. So we all make mistakes. We all have within us previous versions. How do you handle... Because right? I think listeners need to hear that too. It's not like we get somewhere and the old never arises. So how, do, an old approach never arises. How do you handle when you have um, communicated in a way that's not right for you with somebody or didn't listen? Yes. Like, what's your approach? Yeah. Because I so, think people need to
1: hear that mm-hmm, too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it happens all, all too all frequently. Us. All too frequently. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So, For me, it depends on my relationship with that person and, um, and where we're at. So I'll I'll give a couple of examples. Mm -hmm. If it's a colleague in the workplace, um, I will find a time to say to them, um, and I usually start with this. I have been reflecting on our conversation. It did not sit right with me. Mm -hmm. And I will do this, whether I am the one who, whether I feel like I wasn't the best Kim or whether I feel like they were not bringing their best version or both, I will say, this conversation has stuck with me and I want to talk it through. And if it was your exact example, I would say when I did this or when I said this, I don't feel good about that. Um, I was, uh, and I'm not making excuses for myself. Um, I'm being um, transparent with you. I was not in a good place and I was tired and I let um, my mouth run when it shouldn't have. Um, it was not the person I want to be in the world, and I I want to offer you, uh, whether you will accept an apology or a commitment to be more self-aware moving forward, it would depend on the circumstance. I mean, mm-hmm. some people don't, um, don't believe in apologies, and it's not something that they feel comfortable with, so I would really try to see um, where that person's at. Mm-hmm. And even just an acknowledgement. I acknowledge to you that I did not um, behave appropriately or that I was uh, disrespectful, or I spoke in a voice that you perceived as loud and, and, um, or I used profanity or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, and so it would be speaking out what I did and then, um, my feeling about it, whether it's again, an acknowledgement or apology, and then saying, would you be willing to talk about it with me? Um, you know, uh, I was in, I was in a text war with my 16 year old who's, um, He's a 16 challenging. year old. Yeah. A text word <laughs> with my a 16, 16 year old. Year old yes. Right? That's true. That's it's true. Just that simple. Yes. And last night before I went to bed, his texts to me were along the line of "You're You're just trying to pick a fight with me. You're just trying to pick a fight with me. So this morning on my way to see, to see you, I sent him a text and I said, I am trying to keep you safe, comma, alive, comma, and to support you in graduating. And I said, I love you. And I am sorry. Let's start fresh today. So that's, for me, Mm -hmm. my way of extending an olive branch to him. Mm -hmm. So again, it really depends on the person, on my relationship with them. But I will say this, Catherine, if you know, if I know, I'll speak about myself, that I have done something I don't feel good about, the only way forward for me is to address it. Because if I don't address it, it is like an infection and it festers and it can really become a problem for me. So, you know, um, I, I will, I will do something. I will, sometimes it might be as simple as sending a note, you know, a Mm -hmm. card, a handwritten Mm -hmm. card and just saying, Mm -hmm. you know, wasn't my best self, especially if it was a good friend, wasn't my best self. Uh, you know, just wanted to, uh, say coffee's on me next time. You know, so it can be a simple gesture. It can be a more in-depth conversation. Depending on the situation.
0: Yes. And so I'm hearing you um, be accountable for your actions and not asking, and not projecting that on somebody else. And you're the only person when we talk about what we're in charge of. You're in charge of yourself.
1: Yes. And, and, and the flip side's true. If you've done something that's upset me. Yeah. I have to, I owe it to myself and you to talk about it Yeah, yeah. because if I'm walking around, let's face it. If you and I've had a negative encounter and it's not resolved, we have not talked it out. Every time I see you after that, I just have a negative feeling about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just, that's just how we are as humans. Absolutely. Right. And so it's what sits beneath the surface that comes
0: up in our tone. So we could be saying something nice to somebody that we're, we're, um, having a challenge with but the tone underneath is not nice at all
1: and they know it was like you talking about pity earlier like if you have that feeling it doesn't matter what words you use they will receive it that way right yes i'm often reminded of the fact that if i really like someone and have a really good feeling about them they could do something this is that notion of cognitive dissonance but they could do something a person I am not particularly fond of could do the exact same thing, yes. but I would receive it totally differently. Yeah. Because on the one hand, it's just, you know, oh, you're a great person. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to look past that. Yeah. And on the other hand, it's like, oh yeah, that just proves you're the kind of person that I always right. thought you were, right?
0: Totally. And so, totally.
1: so our, our ability to Especially um, deal with or address or talk through those negative situations. Um, in in my opinion, that's about courage. And and when we can all do that in a workplace, could you imagine how healthy and constructive and compassionate and positive that workplace would be if we could all find that courage to do that. Regularly in the workplace. It's not easy. I'm not making it sound like it's just snap no, your fingers. No, it
0: isn't easy. And I, I hear that. And I think it requires a team of people and a willingness on, on each individual's part to the best of their ability, mm-hmm. you know, to move in that direction mm-hmm. and a willingness to know self, mm-hmm. right? To know self and go, okay, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about... Um, Courage, and and I think this probably makes so much sense for people to realize that it takes courage to be open, is what I'm hearing you say. And it takes courage to be seen, and it takes courage to be vulnerable. Like all these things you're talking about, it takes courage to say I'm not perfect, Mm -hmm. and I don't need to be perfect, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's looking at courage in a different way than I have the courage to you know, do something in the external world, we're redefining what courage looks like from the inside out, Mm -hmm. right? So let's come back to um, what would you say to people are four things uh, that help foster a culture of courage in a work environment?
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: we've been talking about it. So just to summarize.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah so i feel like um the willingness to engage with one another in difficult and challenging conversations is paramount uh and we just you know went through that yeah. and i just want to add one additional dimension on that i also have a belief and this is my own personal personal belief that if i see something as a leader in an organization if i see something even if it does not directly involve me I believe I have an accountability and a responsibility to do something about it. And my language is never pass a fault. Because if I see, um, for example, in a meeting, um, there is uh, a woman who keeps getting uh, her voice stepped all over in that meeting. I'm using that as, a, as an mm-hmm. example. I believe I have a responsibility not to say, oh, well, it didn't happen to me. So, you know, not my problem and walk past it. Um, I think that there are power dynamics in workplaces that we cannot ignore or, uh, you know, wish away. They exist. Um, And so particularly if there's someone who is in a a subordinate type position in a workplace, their ability to deal with a challenging and difficult situation might be compromised. Mm -hmm. They might have a harder time and it might even feel impossible for them, for example, to say to their boss, I don't like it when you're constantly talking about my clothes, mm-hmm. right? It makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You're like 30 years older than me and you don't mm-hmm. need to comment on my clothes, right? So for me, if I see something like that, there are lots, I call it the ways and means. There's lots of ways you could have a conversation with that man um, without embarrassing him. Mm -hmm. without shaming him, Mm -hmm. you know, by, by, you know, and sometimes, um, you know, guy to guy talk works really well. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are, there are ways we can creatively consider how we can, um, advance ourselves. Yes. 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 And I do feel like it's, um, incumbent upon people who have the power, whether it's power in a hierarchy, whether it's power as a result of your identity, uh, that we deal with we deal with um, the privilege that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And with that privilege comes responsibility. And that responsibility is to address and talk about what's happening around us. Um, and so that I'm not trying to be obscure about that.
0: I don't think you are. Okay. You're basically not at all. It came, okay. What I'm hearing you say is don't walk by when you're seeing um, a... What seems to be not a big deal, but is, a, is an act of violence against somebody, even if it's a subtle act of violence, yes. that, we, that we're all, you know, serving each other and that there's a way to talk to the, pe- the person, um, you know, who's taking that action. In a positive way,
1: you know, because I, I, they may
0: not be aware.
1: No, I want of to use a, a real life example, um, Catherine, because it's one that stu- stuck with me. When I was, uh, I used to do a lot of uh, in person women in leadership training, and I was doing a session. Uh, maybe there was like a hundred women or whatever in the room, or hundred people. Um, and after the session, a young woman came up to me. Never met her before in my life. And I kicked off the session by uh, making a joke and I said, Oh my gosh, I feel so schizophrenic today. Like I've been running around all day or whatever. And she came up to me afterward and said, I just wanted to share something with you. My brother is schizophrenic. And um, she said, it's not, she said in a very gracious and gentle way, it's not funny. Um, you you know, and sort of talked a little bit about what their experience was with him and what his life experience was. It was very emotional for me and for her. And, um, she was kind and I didn't feel like she was saying, shame on you for making a joke about schizophrenia. And at the same time, she was saying schizophrenia is not funny. And it was the last time I ever used that, uh, phrase, use that phrase. And if it had not been for her, I could have made that same like I just wasn 't aware i hadn 't thought it through what the implications of saying that were, and so for me um, it 's a journey for all of us oh, and totally. right, and mm-hmm. so it 's not that we 're perfect but but we need to support each other in understanding that you know our words have have impact and and it 's not about some people say like political correctness. That's not the label I would put on that. She was helping me understand that I was hurtful in what I said. Now, I could have listened to her and decided I'm, I'm okay with saying schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. As, like I had mm-hmm. a choice there mm-hmm. to make, right? Mm-hmm. And she wasn't making it for me, but she was shining a light. I said earlier, she was shining a light on something for me and giving me the choice as to whether I wanted to proceed in a certain way or a different way.
0: I like it. Right. And and I like that. It's basically a person does not have to say, okay, I'm going to change that, but at least they are now aware mm-hmm. that other people may perceive
1: that difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What else? So thinking about feedback, I wanna emphasize that again. I won't go into it, but the importance of, of a culture of feedback. I also believe in a in a courageous workplace, we have a culture of mentoring. Um, And what that means, I'm not talking about formal mentoring Mm -hmm. contracts. I'm talking about every person having people that they can go to, to have a conversation around something stressful, challenging or difficult. And every person having people that they are there for in the same way. I think we have to be both and we have to build that capacity both ways in an organization that's got a courageous culture. Give a hand and
0: get a hand, right? Absolutely. It's like helping those who, you know, behind us and getting a hand from those in front of us, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what you're saying.
1: It totally is. It Mm -hmm. totally is. And, you know, I've hinted at this already. I really believe in a courageous culture. I'm going to quote Seth Godin a little bit here. He says, people like us do work like this. And that's how he defines culture. People like us do work like this. And at the city of Edmonton, we've defined what people like us means. It doesn't mean people who look like us. It certainly doesn't mean people who think like us. But we have a set of leadership competencies. And guess what? The first one's courageous. Not surprising.
0: I like it. Yeah.
1: Inclusive, collaborative networker, values-based influencer, creative innovator, and systems thinker. Here's my point. Um, In a courageous culture, we've set out, these are the behaviors that we expect of people working at the city of Edmonton. So if you want to be an isolationist living in a silo not cl- collaborating with anyone saying whatever you want regardless of how it will impact those around you uh then you're not you're it's not, not a good environment not, for you it's exactly that simple right? perfect way of putting yeah, it yeah. and so not only do we declare the competencies that's the easy part it's living them yes and it's holding people accountable to them and not in a point your finger way you weren't inclusive in that conversation it's hey kim Let's talk about inclusivity and what it looks like. And let's talk about how that meeting went. And do you feel like we could up our game around being inclusive mm-hmm. with respect to what happened there?
0: Because you're also then opening a, uh, opening up a dialogue where that other person can say, well, I didn't mean it or I did mean it in that way or I don't agree with this point or I do agree with this point, right? It opens up a whole, as opposed to a finger pointing, you did not fit the, yeah.
1: Absolutely, and I work with, The most amazing leadership team I've ever worked with in my life right now. And one of the things we did when we introduced these competencies to our, you know, sort of senior leadership at the city, like the, let's say the 200 people who are in that, in that group, every deputy city manager, Catherine, talked about their worst competency. So every deputy city manager Mm -hmm. said, this one, I'm particularly bad at. Not that, Mm -hmm. And so it was really this very open conversation around, here's what I'm doing to work on it. Here's how this shows up in a negative way for me. And here's my commitment to advance my skills in that area. And so there was just this, and it was very authentic. Like people uh, were telling their own stories about how I struggle with this one. I struggle with this one, or this is tricky for me. And so in doing so, we were able to show people and, you know, modeling the way, None of us are perfect. We're works in progress. These are our expectations of each other and collectively, and let's um acknowledge where we have deficits, if I can be so bold as to use that word, and uh, and work toward improving.
0: So I'm hearing um, what I'm hearing is creating a environment where people can be vulnerable and they don't have to be put in a position of defending themselves.
1: Perfect right. way of putting it.
0: Uh, that I'm hearing it, in, yeah, and I'm thinking that is a pretty uh, good environment to foster, right? And in
1: that vulnerability, the, I think that one of the gifts is people will express their views openly. So when we collectively um, sort of lay ourselves bare, then my ability to say, I don't see it the same way or I really want to challenge that thinking or that idea is strengthened, and it's not until we can have those conversations that are, you know, very challenging that we can get the best solutions. If we're all agreeing with each other, what's the point of even talking I agree. about it, right? I agree. So th- it's it that- allows
0: that diversity. Yes, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 and that's what and real- people's
0: rich history that everybody's coming to the table with a different story and a history and an inheritance. Right? Beautiful. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kim, you know what? I could talk to you forever. I love what you're sharing. So I'm just going to throw out there. For people, so first off, I hope you're writing a book. Or I hope you're getting ready to um, do a talk somewhere or something. I think you, you've you got uh, really good, amazing, but also practical things to share that can work well in home, our home life, or our business life. Um, so, first off, are there any books or a resource, any type of resource material, material you'd recommend for people who are, you know, attracted to um, and I know I'm throwing that at you I, I should have said hey Kim before <laughs> do you have any books to recommend anything yeah. you'd recommend as a starting point yeah or a you know a, you know not everyone's just starting with it but you know something to help develop further
1: sure um I I'm going to recommend some podcasts love it so there's one called the happiness lab by Dr. Laurie Santos are you
0: saying lab lab
1: you bet okay Sorry. the yep.
0: happiness lab say again the name
1: uh, the Happiness Lab, and it's Laurie L-A-U-R-I-E, Santos. Okay, excellent. Um, really beautiful sort of uh, primer, if I can put it that way, um, with respect to a lot of the concepts I'm talking about. There's a, a very um, interesting podcast, if you're interested in organizational culture, by a woman named Aga Bauer. I believe it's spelled A-G-A, last name B-A-U-A. Er, and it's called the Culture Lab. Okay, really solid, um, really solid podcast on uh, organizational culture. And right now, I am interested in stoicism, so I've been reading a fair bit about that philosophy mm-hmm. and about um, the very basic principles and how it can apply to to our lives today. So those are just uh, just a couple.
0: Very nice, thank you. And if people would like to reach you, um, how could they reach you?
1: So my city of Edmonton address, work uh, sorry, email address would be the easiest way, which is kim.armstrong at edmonton.ca.
0: All lowercase.
1: Yeah, I think it works either way, but all lowercase.
0: Excellent. Oh, does yeah. it work either way? Good to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm
1: always so careful about.
0: Oh, what if I put an uppercase here? Yes. Kim, you know what? Thank you. I know you are super busy. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come and share I think so very valuable um, information again that applies to our personal or our work life and so thank you you're yep. you're you're brilliant.
1: It was so delightful to be here and to have such a um, heartfelt conversation with you mm-hmm. and I appreciate your um, invitation for me to come and um, and participate and um, learn and grow as well
0: and i'm just throwing it out there maybe in your busy schedule a few months down the road you can come back and share more information
1: i'd love to so thank
0: you so everybody if you'd like to contact me you can email me at katherine at shaw.ca and until then uh, enjoy and be kind and be courageous